Chad's lived, least... We've lived long enough to see Chad become the villain of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to No Clip. I'm Chad Rutherman. I'm JJ Artemis. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, uh, well, <laughs> uh, it, it is the new year. It is 2018. We're recording this on the 2nd of January. And uh, like all new years, we're starting things out right. By giving up completely, um, <laughs> changing everything about ourselves for a very short period of time, only to revert back to our normal schedule. Correct. Our New Year's soon. resolution is to uh, not release any late episodes after this one. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if it isn't clear, uh, net, we're pushing the release date for our Mirror's Edge episode to the week after this one. Uh, because of the holidays, we're kind of doing this uh, to buy a little bit of time. And uh, this week, we're going to try and do a year in review of 2017. Uh, kind of talking about, like, what games did this year. Because I think it's been a fairly interesting year. People have been talking up this year in uh, the gaming media. A mm-hmm. phrase that I'm still uncomfortable to say for unclear reasons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they've been talking up 2017 a lot. Yeah, a lot of people have said, but, but like, mm. I feel like there's always, there are these ebbs and flows to sort of like trends and how popular things are. And I think that 2016, all in all, was a much better year when it came to like the triple A scene of like, it, it felt like people were taking risks and making games that were good despite like not adhering to, you know, your law of averages previous crap. Uh, and I feel like 2017 has really kind of let the indie scene and the uh, AAA scene sort of co-mingle in a way that they haven't in a long time. Because I feel like the independent game scene really got huge uh, in the early 2010s at when people were sort of just sick of the yearly release thing. That's when yearly release became like a household vocabulary term for mm-hmm. people who played games. And uh, nowadays, it's sort of like there's been, there's a backlash against uh, the new Assassin's Creed. There's a backlash against Battlefront Two, uh, like basically anything that was like a long running series. And I don't know. I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing in the long run. God. I knew it was going to be inevitable. But on when I was sitting down and trying to think of the kind of things that I wanted to talk about for some approximate year in, in review, I picked out two things that was like, eh, I'm going to try, if at all possible, to avoid this. And one of them was, of course, Battlefront 2. Uh, <laughs> I feel like there's a 0% chance that we could avoid... Like, even before, when we thought we were going to be doing a Mirror's Edge episode today, I was already planning to open by going, since EA is basically the most popular developer <laughs> in video games right now... We're going to tie around Mirror's Edge. Uh, and I think the joke applies. Like, mm-hmm. it is uh, it is a game that is, like, completely dominated the public thought on video games for, like, long before it ever came out. Indeed. And it has, which is why my list was, like, uh, perspective. Like, I, I was hoping beyond hope that we could not talk about the loot box thing, but I knew it was inevitable, <laughs> so I just wanted to delude myself for as long as possible until the podcast actually began. Uh, Andy, hater of shooters, uh, yes. how up to date are lover you? Lover of shooters. <laughs> I love guns. Uh, 
what how much do you know about all this nonsense um not nearly as much oh as this is the two good. of you i'm sure oh, are you talking specifically about the loot box thing and not necessarily just battlefront 2 in general oh. hate for ea as like a broad overarching well, i'm well aware of that of course I mean, everyone no one likes ea mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> EA, ea ends up being in the unfortunate position i say unfortunate position they, they made their bed um <laughs> but like uh, uh, as like Activision, who also made their bed, and uh, a number of other sort of developers that like once you get so successful, the public just like turns on you and mm-hmm. goes like, "Oh, go fuck yourself." Uh, and while I would happily say go fuck yourself to somebody like Bobby Kotick, I feel like EA doesn't have because they have the one guy whose name I don't remember, meaning obviously he doesn't. <laughs> He couldn't possibly be as bad uh, that people like to hate on. He has just kind of been a do-nothing company for so long. Yeah. Like, they release the same, like, five franchises every year and sit in the background and, like, some people play their games. And I think Battlefront, no, Battlefield, rather, is, like, their last remaining vestige of, like, quote-unquote, the hardcore. Yeah, so, how long has it been since EA's been, like, a res- like respected developer since their 2007 crop kind of like withered and died from a franchise perspective and it and feels it can... like it's been even longer than that yeah. and that was 10 years ago i'm just saying that's <laughs> <laughs> that's when they that's when they made the effort it was like roughly around 2007 mm-hmm. to try and create a crop of games that were distinct different uh, and got a lot of attention uh, and then they realized that when you try and take risks... Mirror's Edge, actually, that no clue. <laughs> when you try and take risks, uh, you can't milk risks constantly because it's very dangerous to milk risks over and over again. Uh, so they stopped and are just doing this now. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, EA fucked up pretty bad uh, at trying to take the, like, four or five or so franchises that they, they developed in the late 2000s and make them into like an ubisoft style uh let's produce a game every so often of these of this type mm-hmm. uh and it really didn't pan out no. mirror's edge actually is an interesting uh case on that because its follow-up catalyst uh didn't come out for like nine years after the original uh which is weird for that style of game, it also was generally regarded as, like, the most mediocre thing on the planet, so. <laughs> EA is still deep in, like, inde- not independent, but, like, on on their publishing side of things, they have a greater deal of diversity, right? I'm, yeah. I'm trying to make sure I'm not letting history bleed in with the rest of my <laughs> conception of them in the present day. I think that for the purposes of our discussion, we're largely talking about EA's actual development houses. Right, which is... And, and not great. Yeah. Not the best. Not great. But DICE is probably one of their most well-respected because they made, all, like, the most recent Battlefield games. And, like, Battlefield 1, people love that game. I don't, but I, tr- <laughs> I, I tried to love it, but it was impossible. The single-player campaign is pretty good, for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you run into issues. But because of all of this... EA, uh, who's owned the star- who's had the license to make Star Wars games for a while, uh, decided to resurrect uh, Battlefront, and the first game went off uh, with kind of a whimper, like not 
it was like somewhat popular for a week and then everyone <laughs> stopped playing it. Uh, it didn't didn't gain much traction. Uh, and so they were like, well, the second one, though, we'll do that one. <laughs> you know, presumably the first one sold a lot of copies. Of course it sold a lot of copies. It's EA. They can put a lot of copies around to be sold. But, like, speaking uh, with our usual three-quarters comedic disdain for the, the kind of audience that's normally targeted for, like, Battlefront and that... That sort of and that sort of crowd. I'm always looking at, at all of these discussions from the outside. So, you know, when Battlefront One was happening, I would mostly engage with it from the perspective of like screenshots, videos, tech demos, which were gorgeous because mm-hmm. it's EA and they have infinite mm-hmm. money to make them gorgeous with full of things that we love and cherish in our lives, <laughs> uh, like Star Wars. Uh, and the game itself, I never was told about a mechanical hook that really brought me into the fold for that. And they did away with, as far as I know, of a lot of the weird, now very sort of quaint and antiquated features that made, like, the old Battlefront 2 PS2 games uh, not different enough to be to warrant attention. I actually, as part of all of this, all of the attention that surrounded Battlefront made me go back and purchase for some pittance, like, the Battlefront 2 Steam copy. Oh, yeah. Just so I could try and, and re orient my memory of playing that game on my PlayStation 2 to what the actual experience was. And the real experience of that game is weird and clunky, because it's... A what? PlayStation 2 game. Yeah, because it's yeah. like a 15-year-old shooter from like from that era of shooters. But a lot of people had fond memories of it. And I still do. And I still do think that uh, its campaign mode, while very board gamey and not the sort of thing that would be in vogue today... Uh, it it has issues, but it was I think it deserves a lot of the nostalgia that it sort of triggers. Yeah. So when they got rid of that one thing, that was enough for it me to be a deal breaker, not just in terms of buying the game, but in terms of my attention around all of the discussion. So when Battlefront Two came up, I was equally disengaged, which is the reason that I might be missing some like big thing about Battlefront Two mechanically that just drew everyone to the fold. But to me, it just seemed like another cycle. It was a, just another way for them to try and use Star Wars iconography to make unfathomable amounts of money. Uh, and, man, do they like money. I mean, so be it. Uh, the, the issue came, and, and the reason why I think this is interesting to me mm-hmm. uh, is from the public reaction to the game itself. Basically, someone who had beta access to the game went online and said, Hey guys, what's up? Uh, Been playing Battlefront for a while now. And without purchasing a thing, it would take like X number of hours. I think the cited number was about 40 of continuous play in order to unlock quote-unquote heroes. And the heroes in the game are basically like, you know, Left 4 Dead, how occasionally it'll just, they'll be like, you're spawning in as the tank! Mm-hmm. And then you go in, you murder everybody as the big strong man. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is what uh, the, like, heroes sort of act as. Or maybe, like, the Titan drops and Titanfall is a better comparison. Yeah. But maybe, probably not. I'm not really sure. <laughs> but and the reason we're not really sure is because the progression system in Battlefront 2, uh, and I, I'm certain this contributed to the outrage, is almost like impenetrable like i'm so sorry andy kenick 
they they have some kind of combined system where instead of having a distinct progression meter like levels or something in Splatoon, because of right. course you have to compare it to Splatoon. Right. right. Uh, yeah. We yeah. don't know anything else. Nothing else. <laughs> and instead, of, instead of a strict progression system, uh, you just get access to a loot box system that mm. has actual substantial differences in, in gameplay. It's not like an Overwatch-style loot box system where it's cosmetic or just produces weird, interesting surprises. It, like, loot boxes are critical to you unlocking new features of the game. And there's like three fucking currencies. and just <laughs> So they designed it like a mobile game? Kind of. I, I would argue that, like, I mean, it depends on the mobile game. Right. Because, like, obviously that kind of, that sort of design is in like most multiplayer games now yeah uh and so i mean what what are you gonna do about it uh the the thing is that the the unlock system in battlefront 2 is so unnecessarily baroque Mm -hmm. that they just like no one seemed to know what was (laughs) happening until someone did a lot of math and created graphs and (laughs) Like, like timelines, yeah. yeah. Like it seems intentionally uh, vague in order to get you to sort of not think about it. Well, that that is that's the reason that these currencies exist in the first place, right? And that, like all conversations about this, we're gonna come up through the sole conversation. And I'm gonna say stuff like this that's going to imply a general hostility to these practices that is a lot stronger than I think I personally initially mean it. Yeah. I even think it's hypothetically possible to do a progression system where the mechanical things you unlock are semi-random. Not necessarily literally a loot box because of all the connotations that has. Right. But I think you could do that in a way that was fun and entertaining. It's just this implementation of it is just really bad and really obtuse, which and which makes it easily comparable to all of the other ways that people try and make the unlock the cosmetic unlock systems and other currencies and in, like Andy said, mobile games obtuse. So that you, it's so hard to think about that you don't think about it as much and you just go ahead and you purchase the item. Right. You think like, if I spend X amount of dollars on this, there's a chance that I will unlock the thing that I want mm-hmm. and therefore you spend money on it at, in order to make those two things meet. And while that is probably true, it's just, it makes this move from being a progression system in a game that is like that wants you to grind into something that's kind of predatory and that's the that is the line for me uh i think once something like incentivizes spending money over experiencing the game is the point where it's sort of it enters this gray area like where's the point where your enjoyment has to stop to get you to pl- to put cash down and if it is before you open the game and go into a lobby then i i think you need to rethink what you do <laughs> who is who is the you in that sentence is that ea is that you yeah. the player ea needs to rethink their progression system because like because what they did their actual response to it was and i actually haven't checked up on this since fucking midnight yesterday because they said they were turning off the loot box system until December or until January rather but I don't know what that means other than now it's just hard for everyone to unlock things <laughs> like <laughs> you still have because again there's like five billion different currencies yeah you still get the currency that you would normally get uh, from just trying to play the game and that currency is disproportionately 
associated with the amount of time you spend in the game, not of the results of the of the win or loss. So mm-hmm. like winning a bunch doesn't let you get things significantly faster. Uh, and you can still just use that currency without any sort of like loot box middleman, if I remember correctly, to unlock the mechanically significant elements that you're looking for. Right. It's just like so many other loot box systems, when you get duplicates of items, that gets turned into a currency that you can also manipulate in these ways. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's ludicrously obtuse. Uh, and it's caused a backlash. Essentially, when all of these people got told... Uh, very explicitly that you needed to wait 40 hours to pretend to be Darth Vader. Uh, it caused, like, the most anger I have ever seen uh, on Reddit. A very angry place uh, for, like, a period of, like, a solid month. Just just mm-hmm. real rage, and it was really unpleasant for me. It was sort of well, sort of the sensation of, like, being in a kayak, and you're, like, going... <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and you're, like... I'm intrigued, personally. <laughs> you're, like, going down, like, the like the West Coast, let's say, like, in, like, a really, like, pleasant temperature. Uh, <laughs> like a kelp field of some kind. Uh, and just, no, no, I'm allowed to set the scene. The kayaking down the coast. <laughs> yeah. Through yeah. a kelp field. Yeah, through yeah. Kelp field. It's beautiful, it's sunny, uh, and then here comes, like, Captain Douchebag in his speedboat, like, pulling behind... <laughs> Some other skier, just creating the most wake that he possibly can. And he starts like doing donuts and circles and shit. And is it, in this metaphor, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. just to like clarify before we proceed further, yes. Yes. Captain Douchebag is EA, and the water around you is like public opinion. The water around me is my is my sensation of the world. Okay. And, and the person and it was, was on calm the boat before. It was the, calm before. The, the Captain Douchebag on the boat is EA. The skier, the skier is public. <laughs> Opinion. It's public opinion. I'm, I, I don't, I'm not wedded to who is where on that stupid boat, but other people are on that boat, and a lot is of them the are mad. Is the kayak Reddit, right. or is the kelp field Reddit? <laughs> neither. Neither. The kayak and the kelp field and myself are all my contentment with, with the universe. It's right. me and my happy bubble. Is Reddit the ocean? Because that's what Reddit's for, is happy bubbles that you build for yourself and never break under any circumstance. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, it just sounds like what it's like for me to be on Reddit all the time. <laughs> oh, it's like a beautiful kelp field? No. Oh. It's like there's a douchebag. It's like there's a captain douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and freaking the waves just come and you have and now you have to stop focusing on like all the environment around you and you have to like hold on to the sides of the kayak and you just have to like make sure that you don't capsize under all these waves instead of just like appreciating the kelp field it's like anywhere you go there's gonna be a wake you can't like paddle away wakes travel at like 360 degrees away from the boat if you're in the water then you're gonna get hit by the wake and you're not gonna be able to experience all the fun things that you would are in the water to enjoy and that's how I felt when all of that went down because everywhere I went. It was just jokes about some weird one-off thing that one of the designers said right. uh, related to the loot box system. Right, it was designed to... A kelp field actually be kind of dingy and gross. No, no, I've actually been... And like your ore would get stuck in the kelp. I mean, no, you can use the kelp to like grab and pull yourself. I've been in like a... Oh. Okay. It's very kind pretty. Of, kind of kelp field. El- 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 Are West we talking coast. in like a like a tropical environment here? No, we're the West Coast. Yeah, we're so talking about the no. West. You did say the West Coast. <laughs> Come on, keep up with the metaphor. Every time I've ever seen kelp in the ocean, it's been like in like goopy blobs, just kind of floating there, and is not alive and growing. <laughs> oh no, there's like there's, 
There's like cool kelp. There's, okay. There's actual like nice actual kelp. kelp. Yeah, okay. they have like these huge fucking stalks that I'm like. This is the kind that I'm picturing. They have okay. these like cool bambooish stalks that have like leaves at the top. Okay. And they're so strong, you can just like grab the stalks and you can just like pull yourself around. Uh, because they are just firmly attached to something at the bottom of the water. I don't know. I can't see that far. Okay. I'm sure they're having a good time. So I think that the largest, the point here, <laughs> our overall opinion on the whole thing mm-hmm. is largely just that you can do whatever you want when you make a game, but if you're making a game where the biggest draw is that you can play as Darth Vader, uh, and then you make people wait a long time to play as Darth Vader, mm-hmm. you probably deserve to have people not buy or like your game. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just really scared at how extreme a lot of the backlash has gotten. Like, like the kind of waves that are forming in this water to, you know, never let this metaphor ever Mm -hmm. die for the rest of my life. I I mean, I wouldn't be that concerned. Like, everyone sort of... I mean, while it's still a persistent joke, I don't think that it's... The vitriol has died down. There has been... Which is actually more concerning to me. (laughs) Like, I feel like if anyone's going to make an impact on something, there needs to be kind of a concerted, long-term effort. Agreed. It can't just die off immediately. So get more angry, everyone. Make (laughs) JJ feel worse. No, no. Because they're going so much further than... People are going so much further than where their outrage needs to be targeted. Mm-hmm. Where their outrage needs to be targeted is the absolutely atrocious progression system that exists in this game. Like so many other times people bring up microtransactions in an online setting. My problem with it is how it impacts the base game. And this is a very easy example where we can point to where the game has been built around the microtransaction system in a way that's actively harmful to the experience of playing the game. Right. Uh, <laughs> but but there are there are people like it's not like a common talking point where people want to try and get like loot box systems in video games criminalized as a form of like ch- like ga- gambling for children right like, well gambling generally is illegal in most states so. yeah or at least regulated and it goes and and this is the song like the dumbest thing but like I want my Overwatch loot boxes. Right, yeah. I think there are ways you could implement on these systems that are not to the detriment of anyone, of ways that are actually make it fun. And I understand the hilarious potential bias I have here as someone who loves and plays Magic the Gathering. Right. Uh, like, I, I'm terrified that people are, are throwing out the baby with the bat- bathwater here by just in, in Continuing, continuing to flare up their like hostility to microtransaction systems generally, mm-hmm. instead of being hostile to badly designed games. Yeah, well, and not only that, but like this is one of those things uh, that I've been thinking about for a while uh, in games development, where it, it seems like there's a slight failure of capitalism here, uh, like in the intended purpose, because <laughs> the intended purpose of capitalism. Okay, right. yeah. I'm gonna, this is what I'm talking about. The All intended, right. like the ideal intended purpose of capitalism that games companies like EA are built on, uh-huh. is the idea that if you make a game that people like, they buy the game. Yeah, right. So that's like the basic, most like the most basic economic principle <laughs> that you could possibly form a thing on. <laughs> but like, if people buy your game and it has something shitty in it, but it isn't 
the like you're not buying the shitty thing. You're buying the whole game that contains the shitty thing. It's really difficult to kind of get that message across because like they don't they their microtransaction thing was so well publicized that many people did not purchase the game because of it. Yes, but there are terrible game design decisions that are made in lots of games that you wouldn't go like. This game has a quest where you have to follow a guy who moves slightly slower than you do <laughs> for a long period of time. I'm not buying that game. <laughs> that whole game is dead to me because of this one instance of a weird mm-hmm. thing. So you have to be able to tell someone, hey, this thing sucks, don't do it. No one likes it. But I liked the game overall, so keep making that game. I feel like it's... I feel like the reaction that people had to this and the reaction that EA showed in response shows that they are able to distinguish those things because on the other somewhere, not necessarily in the boardrooms, not necessarily on the publisher side where like the really hard number crunching economic decisions get made, right. but somewhere in EA are people who legitimately care about these problems. Uh, and, you know, just sinking my ship further uh, in, in, like, my perspective to all these issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know that, like, the one response, the now, like, most downvoted comment in Reddit history? Yeah. I don't think that's a bad answer to his question. The, the, specifically for Andy's case. Yeah. They, one guy just straight up said, uh, like... Like, we did all the number crunching. It takes, like, 40 hours to play as Darth Vader once. This is kind of ridiculous. And it, while mentioning all sorts of other mechanical unlocks. Mm-hmm. And and the comment that, res- that, w- that during, like, an actual... A response actually from one of the developers of the game was, like, we have these systems in place in order to give players a sense of satisfaction and accomplishment as they unlock things. Mm. Uh, and it was, like, a, it was like a paragraph long and, like, roughly like that. And this was, like, the spark that caused all of the rage in the universe. Yeah. Uh, And that is... I think that's why progression systems exist. Lots of people... Like, the the immediate response to a lot of that outrage was, like, when you buy a sandwich, like, you don't have to fucking wait 40 minutes for it. And that's because you're not buying the experience of acquiring the sandwich. Correct. When you play a video game, you are buying the experience of acquiring and growing a thing. That's what... RPGs generally are about. Just because this is a shitty version of it doesn't mean the concept of progression systems is bad. It's I'm just really terrified that people are going to take the wrong lessons from this horrifying shit uh, that was all perpetuated partially by EA, partially by a fan reaction to it. I'm just... Yeah. People are mean. Yeah, people... Mm-hmm. Well, and, and not only that, but like... Public opinion is super easy to get, like, swept up in as well. Yeah. And so a lot of people will, uh, without really thinking about it, uh, join in on the bandwagon because they read this one piece of evidence and it seems like this is the thing to be mad about. And, yeah, I'm sure the informed people here know what the issues are and uh, and are not just going along with hate speech that's not the right word uh it is hateful speech (laughs) to warn ea for uh making their game the way that they did because one of the one of the devs in this battlefront 2 situation made some kind of like snide twitter comment that was like really unprofessional like you guys are all armchair developers for like not liking not speaking about these things which while an asshole thing to, to say i think is partially valid for the same reason that pointing out that this is a progression system is partially valid right but that guy's got like seven death threats and like 130 other what the oh 
Of course, my grandma is calling me in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> do, we want the, do we want my grandma on the podcast? Yes. I mean, you can answer her. Okay. Like, hello? Yes? Oh, sorry. It might be because I'm currently recording a podcast. Uh, it's like a radio show, but uh, on the internet instead of on the radio. Damn. I was hoping I was going to get more of an opportunity to explain what a podcast was. You had the perfect explanation of what a podcast was for an old person. Thank you. That's like true, you had yeah. thought about it beforehand. <laughs> okay. So as not to get uh, sort of tangled up in the, I guess, kelp in this scenario, <laughs> uh, we should probably move off of it to, uh, for, for what it's worth, the public opinion of this game has apparently swayed some people, considering a dude who works in a Walmart in West Virginia detri- attempted to dissuade me from buying a copy <laughs> of Battlefront uh, for my brother. I was like, okay, I'll just r- ruin his Christmas because you're an angry guy. <laughs> anyway, see you later. Uh, <laughs> and let's move on to something else yeah. uh, in the realm of uh, things Andy won't know anything about. I've, re- yeah, I, I've really got to yeah. save the negativity. I, really did, I didn't think we would talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did oh. not study for the test. Right. It was, <laughs> I was unprepared. Right. Any discussion of 2017 and video games is going to eventually result in a conversation about Battlefront 2. Indeed. Um, right. That's one of the two things in the no-talk list. I'm just going to highlight all the things that I don't care about. Yep. Well, I hope that the second thing in your no talk list is not PUBG. It's oh no no. Because if we're talking about uh, online multiplayer games, I feel like one of the things that I wanted to discuss uh, was what a crazy good year for Twitch this is. Hmm. Like the company Twitch, I mean, and I'm sure people who enjoy like consuming that content are also having a pretty good time. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's been this weird uh, sort of uptick in. Like games that are being actually being adopted as like popular Twitch games. So obviously, League of Legends, Dota Two aren't going anywhere. They're still like the most popular esport games in the whole fucking world, mm-hmm. um, and games that I'm just so bad at that I can't participate. I feel like that's going to spread to uh, the uh, new hotness, uh, which is Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, uh, and sort of this like. I think there are now. There are at least two very popular Battlegrounds games uh, between PUBG and Fortnite. And uh, this whole trend has taken me so by surprise. And I don't know how you guys feel about these types of games. Like they're probably not interested and don't like them. <laughs> oh, I like them conceptually a lot. Mm. I feel like I forget if I've had this conversation with you before on or off mic. But my favorite thing about like the generic experience of playing PUBG is how easily it it gives other people an understanding of the horrors of war, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because this is like because I've seen lots of people play this even though I've never purchased the game myself. Mm-hmm. And the thing that people latch onto about PUBG, in my experience, other than just the hilarious silliness that exists in lots of online multiplayer games, like right. people you know, pranking and being hilarious. Uh, is the intense paranoia 
that you get because of your the like fragility of your own life. Right. It, it it feels to me watching someone play PUBG the way I always felt when I was younger playing paintball of that same like constant absolute silent tension where like death is around every single corner and every decision could be like your instantaneous end. Like I'm that that is something that I feel like it really is imparting a great lesson onto today's youth through PUBG. Right. I think uh what an optimistic take. <laughs> uh, I played my first ever round of PUBG like three days ago, and I won. No, I died first. <laughs> uh, I was utterly atrocious at it, as I expected, but that's, I guess, the thing that you just expect from this type of a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is super interesting. I The thing that I, I love about them as like a concept is the like shrinking area like as a solution to what if you just put a bunch of people on an island it's like they would go camp in a bush for an hour Mm -hmm. uh you just have to shrink it and actually force the conflict and the other thing that i love about it is that it makes all of the people who i already hate on the internet but who just yell things indiscriminately uh without thinking about what they're saying or uh just like cannot piece together like a sentence that makes any sense mm-hmm. who I run into all the time online are now literally all your anime <laughs> so you can take the whole game and just find some dude who said a dumb thing and be like this is for the dumb thing <laughs> shoot him in the face isn't th- I don't understand why this wasn't an experience you couldn't already have in like Halo well in like well in Halo I didn't have like match chat on are you an insane person uh my go-to experience with this kind of thing is in overwatch oh okay if you have somebody who's just like a complete idiot on your team it is difficult to like just ignore them for the whole match Mm -hmm. and if if even if they're on the enemy team you can't like do any sort of like approximate lone wolf things in overwatch you can't target them specifically as right. an individual because i'm not hurting anyone else by my badness in in, in PUBG, mm-hmm. uh but i can hurt one per- person with like a crazy vengeful strike right. on them and that is of course the like a mature appropriate response uh-huh. to being outraged in a video game is vengeful strikes well, of yeah. sorts <laughs> As long as I come off as polite but uh, vengeful, that's mm-hmm. that's what I'm going for. Like a like a British Punisher, exactly. <laughs> okay. In fact, I'm going to make my PUBG name. No, no, like a Can- a Canadian Punisher. <laughs> like. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess. Uh, oh no, no! I was just going to ask whether or not Canadians are racist. Please continue. I <laughs> I'm sure there are racist Canadians. Right, but I, I mean, if we generalize them as a group, are they? Oh, then yes. Uh, well, no. It's national. No, that's. I don't think Canadians <laughs> think that Canada's the. Well, I mean, I'm sure that's not. This is neither here nor there, <laughs> or anywhere, nor it's, would I have it in Canada. a book. It's Canada. It's Canadian, clearly. It is whatever yeah. it is. The, whatever the I, answer to this question is, it's in Canada. I don't think that there is a sociologist you could talk to who would be like, "I think Canadians are racist generally." <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's a, uh, I think that's going to be a non-starter. All right, you answered my question. Thank you. Now, either way, 
the only other thing that I want to talk about in the realm of esports uh, probably won't be talked about, and that's Overwatch League. And the fact that I'm really amazed by how quickly everyone has gone from talking about Overwatch as a video game to talking about it like it was football. <laughs> and it is the craziest thing in the world to me. Because mm-hmm. like people that I watched before, because they told me things about Overwatch, immediately switched to the Sports Center thing, where they're just like, oh, we're talking about the preseason game between Seoul Dynasty and the Houston Outlaws. Uh, <laughs> it looks like they've got some kind of their B-stringers on this match, and like, and they just straight go into it the same way that I feel when I watch like a Sports Center show. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like... It's fascinating. <laughs> uh, are you talking about fascinating in like a sociological sense, or fascinating because you really like the personalities that exist in the Overwatch esports scene? Weirdly, both. Huh. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm like predisposed to absolutely love all of this like extraneous Overwatch coverage. So I've just been consuming it all day like an idiot for mm-hmm. the last like four weeks, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm super excited for the first season to start, but. That's uh, that's just it, really. <laughs> Good. Uh, I am a little bit terrified of the day uh, in which extremely popular video games will be predominantly talked about like football, because then I will feel <laughs> closer to football, and that scares me. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, shall we talk about something else? Oh my god, we went through a whole like comparison about football when talking about Overwatch esports and Twitch, and we never pointed out that you can literally watch football on Twitch now. Oh yeah, that is that is a thing. Why? I don't know. The NFL has just an agreement with Twitch <laughs> and you can just live stream games. That is so weird. It is extremely weird. And also like the last remaining reason to have cable, so Oh yeah, good point. Poor yeah. cable. Man. Poor cable. <laughs> no one has ever said that. Uh, in the la- Not in the last year. This is a video games year interview, though, so we're not going to talk about net neutrality. No. <laughs> that was actually the other thing on my don't talk about it list, was uh, how net neutrality relates to video games, because I have no idea, because no one does, because it's legislation and it's unfathomably complicated. <laughs> I don't think it's that complicated, but... No, no, no. It's the last thing on the list. Let me right. keep this. Okay, all right. We won't talk about it, but... You your, know. your disagreement is noted. Mm-hmm. Stamp. So what is on the do talk list? For me? Is it Animal Crossing Pocket Camp? Is that... <laughs> no. I guess when talking about the esports space, uh, we could continue to exclude Andy uh, <laughs> universally uh, and, and just mention to the world... Are we, are, we, are we allowed contractually as a video game podcast to talk about uh, MTG Arena? Does that qualify or not? I don't know what that is. You don't know what... What? The Magic the Gathering Arena game? Magic, Magic is making, like, a Hearthstone competitor. And by Hearthstone, I mean Hearthstone, because I'm not an uneducated piece of shit. Uh, yeah, they're making... They're, they're, they opened up, like, closed beta access to essentially their version of Hearthstone. And it is it seems to be good. Like, uh, like unbelievably, it seems to be good. Not unbelievably good, like, how on earth is this good? It, everything seems to point to this being bad. Considering Wizards' previous history with doing things in mm-hmm. the in, in the game space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess people like the duels games, but they are intentionally, like, very specifically designed in that way. Yeah, yeah. But it seems like 
it seems like very soon we're going to have the possibility of drafting from home in with a user interface that is not uh, unbelievable garbage <laughs> and that I don't know what's going to happen to me after that becomes oh, available. Oh, yeah. Neither will we. We <laughs> probably won't see you ever again. Yeah. I'm so sorry. It's all right. I didn't think it was possible for you to move from something I know nothing about to something I know less about to something I know even less about. <laughs> you can't call it out because that was supposed to be the trend. I was going to see how many deep players I could go. I mean, I do have on here more complaints about Fire Emblem Fates, if you really... <laughs> I feel like that, I think my uh, depiction, like my mental image of how this was going to go, mm-hmm. was not going to be about like very specific niche games that 12 people have played. Well, <laughs> well, I did specifically call out that we shouldn't talk about very specific niche things, and then wrote down lots of things about Fire Emblem about games. So. <laughs> niche things. I have one, okay, if we're banning niche discussion topics, <laughs> I have to... First, get out, because uh, this is definitely related to the gaming space, uh, that video games created the best joke in human history. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm sure this is going to be relevant, and we'll go down in history as maybe the most important thing that happened in 2017. Go on. I I, I agree. Uh, so, Andy. Yes, lay it on me. Mm-hmm. Knock, knock. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe Newell. <laughs> I'm writing the joke right now. <laughs> Your one-upsmanship is impressive. <laughs> Does that count as a knock-knock so, joke no. in like a real sense or a meta sense? It was a meta. That was a meta. Well, it was a joke about jokes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. I couldn't resist. Go Solid. on. Solid. Uh, so, in, in addition to our prior Twitch discussions, yes. Uh, uh, Jeff Kaplan, lead developer of Overwatch, mm. recently did a 10-hour stream that was partially faked, to my great sadness, uh, of him sitting by, like, a Yule log. Uh, <laughs> are you aware of, like, the Yule log trend? No. Okay. Oh, oh, he is extremely aware. <laughs> okay. So, I'm talking, he's just talking about, like, what I keep doing to you by putting on the oh. the Yule log on Netflix. Okay, that, that's a trend. Burns. That is okay. a trend. It has existed for many a year. There okay. used to be like like I don't major... think that makes it a trend. I think it's the opposite of a trend. <laughs> it's an established tradition. Yeah, sure, sure. So there was this thing uh, that people used to do in the olden days, where you would gather if you didn't have a fireplace because you were poor and meaningless. Uh, you just gathered around a television representation of a fireplace. Right. I think it's not poor. I think it means that you live now <laughs> what did I say? and not in the past. <laughs> I think it would be cheaper to get firewood and light it on fire than, than to buy have a, a TV. TV. No, no. That's, I'm not saying it's cheaper than the fire. I'm saying it's cheaper than the fireplace, the mm. place where the fire goes. Okay. Anyone can build a campfire in their living room if they so desire, but it's a very bad decision. Okay. All right. So for 10 hours straight... Of um, ambiguous length, at least some of it was faked and looped. Uh, the lead developer of Overwatch sat in complete stone silence for ten hours on a Twitch stream, uh, just beside the, the like burning log and like in like a nice chair and he, like ate cookies every now and again. But that's not that's not the world's best joke. Right? Okay, I was gonna say yeah, the world's best <laughs> that's joke. That's like the second best. Joke. <laughs> the world's best joke was contained within this. Okay, uh, in in which at roughly like the three hour mark. 
uh, of continuous perfect silence of this man staring at a camera, mm -hmm. but in like a Christmas themed room. Uh, from like top off screen, a, a, a like boom mic comes down like it fell and like bops him on top of the head and he like joggles a little bit and the boom mic goes up and away. And that is the best joke <laughs> in that, human history. It is absolutely a joke. And do you know why it's a joke? Because it was a scripted thing? Because it, it implies that there is a man off camera <laughs> for 10 <laughs> continuous hours holding a boom mic right. for a stone silent Jeff Kaplan. <laughs> <laughs> It could have. It not, wasn't necessarily being held. They could have been like rigged up. <laughs> I don't think that it was rigged up, nor was it being held. Sure I think someone carried a microphone in the studio, of course, bopped him, right. and then walked up. Right. But the right. implication of the universe they're trying to build here with this joke suggests mm -hmm. that there was a man sitting there with a boom mic for ten continuous hours, waiting for Jeff Kaplan to speak anything. Uh, which, of course, he never will, but the boom mic man will stand anyway, yeah. vigilant, as always, for the chance to learn some wisdom. I like Chad's joke better. <laughs> we'll see the who history remembers. 2018 is already off to a better start. Yeah. <laughs> 2018, the year of meta knock-knock jokes. Let's hope that never transpires. No clip hosts be warned in the future. Like, sociologists will come back <laughs> to this moment. When we're replaced. <laughs> yeah. With new hosts. Correct. In and, season five. And we'll see. We'll see where the world lands on this joke. I, I'm, I'm willing to stake my <laughs> reputation on this joke perpetuating maybe as long I mean, as the it, human race it is also funny. perpetuates. Yeah. I won't yeah. deny that. Yeah. I feel like we would need to make people more aware of it, which I guess we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. um, what else we got? <laughs> <laughs> Andy, maybe you should be allowed to speak ever about anything. Uh, nah. Okay. All right. So in order for Andy to speak about something, uh, one thing that we assuredly can talk about. Um, so we didn't do a, like, top games list this year. And as I described in text form to these guys, the reason why I didn't want to do a repeat of last year's uh, what are our favorite games, is because our favorite games would just end up being some combination of Mario, Splatoon, Zelda. Uh, for me, in that order, probably. Like, <laughs> <laughs> going straight up. Uh, and uh, the, the big thing here is the release of the Nintendo Switch, um, which is kind of a big thing uh, for Nintendo uh, that happened in 2017. Mm -hmm. Ergo, we should talk about it. And not just a critically big thing, either. This is something that I was curious about, that numbers are a little bit scant on. But, you know, in classic petty console wars fashion, uh, <laughs> they have been seemingly rewarded by the market for their, like, enormous, critically successful year, both from a software and hardware standpoint, where they're, like, about on track to where the PS4 was on its day. So they're roughly selling at the same rate, historically speaking. If you move, the, if you if you adjust the timelines, right? And uh, Microsoft's being very close to the chest about the <laughs> Xbox, which you know says some some meh things about that. Yeah, I you know it might have something to do with the fact that they made an Xbox One X. I I want to personally blame them for that decision. I think there's also isn't there like an Xbox One X and an Xbox One S? Yes, there's yeah. also an S. Yeah, yeah. So they made. This is this is actually the the point why I think the Switch is a big deal because it came out at such a good time because 
the thing right before it we had the PlayStation 4 Pro and then after it we had the 1X and S and the XS <laughs> and the one <laughs> Xbox one Xbox exactly yeah is a problem for because those both of those are, well I mean while they are essentially like the same product fighting for the same like market share appear to be for a very small section of their audience. And it seems weird that they both ended up... Like, I feel like they got caught up in the idea of making sure that they were on the same page technologically, where instead of, like, what people actually wanted mm-hmm. from them. Mm-hmm. Which I'm honestly not even sure. Like, <laughs> I, Bloodborne 2, for me? <laughs> that's about it. Uh, oh, Star Wars Battlefront 2, I mean. We oh, already, well, that's yeah. true, yeah. But we see how that went. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Switch comes out and is just a new console. Nintendo for a while has been kind of off the regular cycle, and uh, it did like phenomenally well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things uh, where I can, I don't think I can like get online without people like posting like uh, Switch is selling well. Like people are always like putting like reports that like oh the Switch is still selling good. Because right? <laughs> like at first it was like a, like a, people didn't know if it was going to be successful, and so you would see posts like that. Yeah. And, but like they're still being d- posted, and people will be like oh it's already almost about to outsell the Wii U, <laughs> etc. Well, well, if if you guys were talking about Nintendo consoles, you always need that reassurance that things are actually going well because mm-hmm. you can just kind of assume. In most other cases, unless you're Sony's handheld console, uh, that things are going fine, even with they're not going as fine as they could. Uh, but with the with the Nintendo consoles, I mean, it could always there's always the, like the chance because of the variability that there could just be a catastrophic failure mm-hmm. in, in Wii U like ways. Uh, <laughs> but so you have you have all of the news in order to try and people are more interested in it because there's more chance of it being different. Right and. Uh, it is luckily different than the Wii U this time, and has video games that are good. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that Zelda was a real big push, even though they released it on the Wii U at the same time. Right. All those people who didn't buy a Wii U suddenly were presented with this choice, like, if I want to play this game, mm-hmm. do I buy a, a new console, the Switch, or do I buy the Wii U? <laughs> apparently the last thing I would ever want to <laughs> So even though you would save probably around $100 purchasing the old console, most people just decided to get the new one. Mm-hmm. Probably a smart decision. And uh, it, to circle around like what we talked about at the beginning, I, I think Nintendo's like strong presence this year is might be the reason why people are talking about 2017 like it's one of the best years in gaming ever. Yeah. Well, you remove Nintendo from the equation, and what do you have? Like, Nier Automata, uh, didn't Horizon Zero Dawn come out this mm-hmm. year? Yep. PUBG. PUBG. <laughs> None of us have played extensively. Yeah, well. But it is, like, the most popular game um, that came out what, this year. Didn't Neo come out this year? I think it was 2016. No. Persona 5. Oh, no, no, Persona 5 came out this Neo year. Neo did come out this year, but it wasn't received all that mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to point out that with, this, with the exception... Probably notably of like Horizon Zero Dawn, a lot of the games that are being listed among this giant trend of like fantastic video games is a list of very weird experimental games that still manage to re- maintain their quality despite a lot of their niche or experimental qualities. Right. Uh, and that bodes well for me. It bodes very poorly for EA, like many other things in life. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, it bodes well for video games generally, and for how many things are gonna, you know, be better on the Switch 
when they yeah. come to the Switch. <laughs> uh, It'd be perfect for the Switch. It would be perfect, be perfect, for, perfect for the Switch. Switch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of things that are perfect for the Switch... Everything? Um, well... Video games? <laughs> I, see, here's, here's the part where I, I start to run into a whole thing. Um, the Switch had... Okay, so of the games that were being, like, sort of ported to the Switch, which is the thing that has just been kind of happening over the course of the year mm-hmm. as people try and get in on this new market that's kind of sprung up, mm-hmm. uh, the one of them that I was legitimately kind of excited about was Doom. Uh, as, like, long-time listeners know, I fucking love the 2016 Doom. I think it's a great game. Uh, and I picked it up, and it basically is garbage. Like, what? <laughs> like, you can't... On the Switch, it's just bad. Why? No! <laughs> uh, yeah. So, oh, I think it, it has something to do with it being potentially kind of a hasty port. Uh, the... Other possibility is that the Switch just literally can't handle the amount of things that it wants to put on screen. Um, and so the end result, because it's a console game, it has sort of set graphical settings. Uh, you can't make it run better either. And so that a little bit concerns me that that year-old game, year-and-a-half-old game, uh, can't run on the Switch Obviously, Nintendo understands it. Like, as we talked about before, Mario Odyssey still looked really good. Uh, Zelda had some kind of notable performance issues, uh, particularly noted when it came out. At launch, yeah. Um, I mean, they still exist, though. Yeah, Uh, they exist, but they've been been mitigated. And that's... It's it's universal as a description to any piece of hardware that the longer, later into the life cycle you get, the more that these issues start to degradate. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that the issues that the Switch have had on a technological front have been really even discussed that much outside of Breath of the Wild-specific issues. Right. And that makes me... If this is as bad as it's going to get technologically, I, that's something I'm happy about. Yeah, I mean, I'm generally speaking, I'm fine as long as people are making concessions for it. But uh, I don't know. I, I feel like people probably shouldn't rush to the Switch with things that going to operate on it. Yeah, like, watching you play it, I was kind of surprised at the quality of the port, especially mm-hmm. coming from uh, Bethesda, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Can it play Skyrim, though? How's Skyrim on I've the Switch? I didn't get I've it. I've heard that Skyrim runs, like, perfectly on Switch. But, Did, I mean, that's like... Oh, a 2012? A, like yeah, a six-year-old game? a six-year-old game, but... Uh, yeah, I think it's 2011, actually. It's a seven-year-old game. Mm-hmm. But, now, it's... Yeah, like the, like there will be like jarring absences of just sound and music, Whoa. and like some of the textures look like total ass. Yeah, it's and like not yeah, the, the amount of corners it has to cut to run on the switch is like a lot. <laughs> it's, it's a circle, man. <laughs> Now, Skyrim does have uh, VR controls on the Switch, which is kind of an interesting oh, the, situation. The controls. Yeah, you can use the the Joy Cons <laughs> as your sword and shield. Does the like weird Switch hypersensitive rumble feedback play in? Can you like feel the difference between like a two handed battle axe? I, I, don't I own feel the like game. that is a feature that only like weird party games and first party Nintendo games are going to use. Oh, so like the Connect? Yeah. 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 Like, even like, first party Nintendo games haven't really used no, it. No, yeah, I was going to say cuz um my um my cousin like who's like 12 got has one two switch and I played it over Christmas. And like it is it's pretty impressive like the HD rumble, you yeah. know, like from what you I would ex- have expected anyway. Mm-hmm. And like 
none of the games I've played have been anything like that. <laughs> you know, and like Mario and Zelda don't have anything with HD rumble. Right. Because what how could you possibly use that in an engaging it, exactly. way? Exactly. Yeah. And if you're gonna use it in just an immersive way instead of an engaging way, why not just use those resources elsewhere? Mm-hmm. It's, especially if it's a weird thing that generally like Rumble Designer, I don't think is anyone that has some <laughs> the current there's not a lot of people currently on staff I, I'm a for Rumble, Rumble specialist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is because it's a piece of hardware that's sort of like a new technology, or at least new ish. Yeah. So it's gonna be a bit before people try and do things because the possibility space for it is pretty cool yeah like i could see like a snipper clip style like indie, indie game. game that like uses it really creatively i'm still pulling for my trauma center surgery simulator where it it, <laughs> it, it, it simulates the feel that of, see uh, that's the one yeah of like a trauma organs. center game with yeah. both of the, with the hd rumble would yeah. be great you could like feel the organs exactly it'd be gross uh, as hell take note atlas yeah <laughs> They're doing whatever. Mm. Oh, man. They're, they're porting uh, Catherine or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> or remaking it or whatever. But we can't... But that's not technically within the realm that's true. of 2017. We can't talk about it. Yeah. Sure, yeah. But it is happening, and it is weird, and I'll be interested in how that goes. Like many other things. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> Crap. Crap. <laughs> So the plot of Half-Life 3 got released. Oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it Half-Life 2 Episode 3? I don't... I that don't, got leaked? I don't know. I actually thought I heard that. Does it matter? We got more Half-Life N- no, from I the mean, grave. I've never played Half-Life. <sighs> we knew this. <laughs> Thank you for releasing... The, oh, wait, no, it's back. <laughs> Darth Vader has no stake in whether or not somebody had played uh, Half-Life. Yeah. I was trying to impart not just shock, but transfer it into like a menacing aura. Mm. So without words, I could communicate to him both that I was disappointed yeah. I, mean, and I feel like anybody and who's listened to this podcast would not be surprised that I haven't played Half-Life. Yeah, right. And none of that, but we also <laughs> both knew it. What I thought was actually <laughs> happening there was you were gasping initially, and then when I told you that you already knew that, that was you deflating. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So many levels. Either oh. way, it, I believe, because it was damned Epistle 3, like that's what he titled the blog yep. when he put it out, sounds to me like it's episode three as opposed to half-life three itself which makes sense because when they initially put out half-life episode half-life two episodes one and two uh their intent was to make a third episode before a half-life three if that was even in the cards like realistically we don't actually know if there was ever going to be a half-life three from the outset Mm -hmm. um either way yeah the plot was leaked online and i've heard that it's good I mean, like I, I heard, I don't remember what now because it happened like at the beginning of the year, didn't it? It did. It was yeah, because I never, I heard somebody talk about it, and like they seemed like they thought the plot was actually like really cool. Well, that's one of the big boons that Valve has had generally in the games industry is that they have a staff of really good writers, um, and Eric Wolpa, uh, who went on to, he did, I believe the the story for Portal. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if he was involved with Portal 2. I'm not like a Valve historian. Uh, but the, uh, and Mark Laidlaw, who is the one who actually leaked that, uh, 
thing are pretty lauded in the industry as being like really good, particularly at the Half-Life style sort of storytelling through a world. Like they sort of explain, like they, nobody sits down and like gives you a cutscene. It's always sort of as you go through an area, you figure things out. Yeah, through both dialogue and the the environmental storytelling. So, yeah, it, it is good. And it's and it sucks that the fact that he released it to me reads as a we just put all of this in, into the garbage can. Mm-hmm. It's gone forever. Or as like a desperate plea, like hoping that people would like think it was so great and it would blow up and people would be like, oh, look, there's interest in Half-Life. I don't think anyone ever denied that there was interest in Half-Life. <laughs> yeah, but... I mean, it's waning. Like, it's not as strong as it was, I yeah. don't know, five years ago? What's what happens when you choke yeah. someone it's, and yeah. you, like, throw them into space yeah. and they can't as breathe? As someone who's never played Half-Life, like, I find the fact that Valve, like, won't release ha- or make Half-Life 3 after, like, it's been such a meme right. for so long, like, to be super fascinating. I think this is something Well, they've that... kind of just, like, stopped making games, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, like, that's just kind of weird. Because everybody loved all their games, it seemed like. This reads to me like a classic circumstance of people not having the necessary context to understand their decisions. Oh, I definitely don't. Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> every, like, like, with so many of these like weird, high-tier business decisions, I'm sure if I sat down with like 10 people in a boardroom, that they could, in like an hour, sell me on why they shouldn't be making video games anymore. And not just in like the cold calculating numbers of capitalism, uh, <laughs> which are great icy numbers. Uh, but also because from like a consumer service perspective, I think I think it's easy to make the argument that the road that Valve has gone down is a road that might be better for everyone. I think the amount of good that Steam blowing up as a platform has given the industry is pretty immense. Uh, and it's hard for me to even imagine what my gaming life would be like over the last decade without Steam being the way that I get into PC games as a platform. But why does like the quality of Steam like have to come at the expense of games development? Because it literally comes at the expense, like as in the money spent right. on it. I just feel uh, I don't know. Again, I'm sure that they're you're correct, but yeah. it just seems like they they would have the money to also like develop games. Yeah, the the given fact how that, like ludicrously successful they are as a company. The the fact that Valve has ceased making games entirely has been it like doesn't fully mesh with this. But the argument that I've always heard for uh, them not releasing a Half Life sequel um, that I think sort of makes sense is that it's been so long that the damage to the company of a bad Half-Life game or even a good Half-Life game that like isn't transcendent in some way would be like greater than them just not ever making it. Uh, but the fact that they haven't made anything makes you go like, does Valve like have developers on staff anymore? <laughs> They've been on vacation. Yeah. They were like, once the Half-Life 2 money stops coming in, we'll come back. (laughs) (laughs) How's it going? It's like, pipe's still open. All right. (laughs) Don't close that valve. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You picked up what I was putting down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Can I complain about Fire Emblem Fates yet? <laughs> uh, no. Okay, that's fair. Can I, instead uh, of doing that as the as a refrain of the constant joke that I've been trying to push this episode, uh, can I instead talk about how Fire Emblem as a brand seems to be diverging into two separate, like, existent timelines, and I'm super interested about it? Uh, can you work Fire Emblem Fates into that somehow? Uh, possibly. But not, not, by timelines, <laughs> I want to be clear here, I don't mean lore timelines, timelines may have been a bad comparison. I mean, like, shit, like two different streams of games in the real world that exist Oh, no, I, I understood that, but can you work the Fire Emblem Fates discussion into this conversation? Yes. <clears throat> Alright, I greenlight that, let's do it. <laughs> Are you, if you in any way include that, you're going to imply for the rest of time that your generalized approval is on demand belches? Should we take a break first? Or are we just fucking the break today? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, and then when we come back, we're talking about Fire Emblem. <laughs> oh, it's the old lady Fire, Fire Emblem again. <laughs> oh, that's how I'm coming back. to the podcast it's the old woman from fire emblem again and i sense a storm are coming a storm of jj's rage maybe if we're both just silent it's and we let this die <laughs> it's not rage it's not rage just because I constantly joke about how much I hate fates and want to pretend that my rage is undying doesn't mean it's actually undying. It's just as if from a meta joke level will always be undying. I just had to use that phrase because the, the one thing that I ever said in the old lady voice was that rain was coming. <laughs> because that's the one thing I ever heard her say in Fire Emblem. Mm-hmm. And by heard, I mean read. That voice is entirely invented. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's no voice acting on a Game Boy Advance game. Yeah. You jerk. So it ended up being perfect for Mm -hmm. this scenario. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, apologies to anyone who who hasn't listened to uh, the Fire Emblem episode or the first year blooper video (laughs) to know that that's my Fire Emblem old lady voice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the thing that has truly lived on to define the series in your eyes. It's like the only mm-hmm. persistent joke we have, and it's not even that persistent. Oh, do we have plenty of persistent jokes? Yeah, we jokes. had some persistent jokes. Don't make fun of our memes. Given up on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's 2018, so. we have to give up on it. True. Uh, so, Fire Emblem as a series. Let's yep. hear it. Uh, we have moved on to a point now where it appears... I, I, I don't know. I, I assume it's too recent for them to have incorporated a lot of the post-fate discussion. Mm-hmm. But it seems that they're channeling off some of their, like, whorishly acquired money uh, through other partnership deals with random other games like uh, Shin Megami Tensei and apparently now Dynasty Warriors yeah. in mobile games. And they're using some of it, uh, they, they, not just to I- exploit terrible trends uh, that I hate in the world, uh, to make themselves more money, but they're using it to create revamped versions of their older games. Uh, as many of you are probably aware, if you care, of Fire Emblem Echoes Shadows of Valentia, a terrible name, 
Uh, Use it like any name, any game that has the word shadows in the title. Like, uh, oh wait, no wait. Gale of Darkness. (laughs) XD Gale of Darkness. Right, yeah. yeah. It's the same tone, it's a very bad name. Right. But. uh, I don't like subtitles. It is a bad name for a good game that is a remake of uh, the second ever Fire Emblem game for the NES, which I had never played. Uh, And it is just a relatively normal Fire Emblem game with some weird mechanical changes and iterations. And amiibo functionality. (laughs) And amiibo functionality. (laughs) Most important. (laughs) Uh, But the nitty-gritty doesn't matter. What, What matters is that the the echoes in that title everyone's treating it as if it like echoes is like the proper name for the game in the same like in the same way that you had like fire emblem radiant dawn or awakening and all that stuff because people are used to talking about like that but it seems that echoes is now going to be like a title that they apply to further remakes of their old games it kind of like how uh a New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi are now called the Star Wars Legends <laughs> film. Uh, similar. I don't think... I'd, if they made remakes of them and right, called yeah. them the Legends, yeah. But it's like a branding thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, and as long-time listeners to the podcast will know, uh, the, the prospect of them remaking any of the games that I have played in a modern sensibility and style... It would essentially become like the Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver of my life. Uh, <laughs> never, whatever, Andy Kenick. Uh, and I'm very excited about this development because it means essentially that I will soon be able to have, and I assume a lot of people like me, the best of both worlds, where Fire Emblem gets to exist with ludicrous production values, uh, and. It, it actually gets to exist like that without selling itself out in all qualities. I just get to ignore, like, the mobile game and the Dynasty Warriors IP crossover <laughs> and lots of other terrible ideas that create terrible games. Well, that's the trick with the, uh, what is it called, like, Heroes or something? The, the mobile game? Oh, is that Heroes? That's Heroes. What's the Dynasty one? Oh, warriors. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah, because it's like Hyrule Warriors. Right. It's not it's actually like an I. Warriors. Right. <laughs> it's not actually an IP crossover. It's just like Fire Emblem skin on a Di- Dynasty Warriors game. Yeah. I mean, they actually do take something like the. I know the Fire Emblem Warriors game has uh, like elements from Fire Emblem, like the uh, being best friends mm-hmm. system <laughs> and the uh, and like permadeath and they have map. Uh, crossover control, I know this. Because I did, of course, look into this game before immediately dismissing it. it realistically, it seems like a fun game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you Are you really? This, and this will be the tangent that we hit here. Are you... When was the last time anyone you know has played a Dynasty Warriors game, including yourself? Uh, the last time that anyone... Oh, I know people who have played Hyrule Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, that counts. That counts. Okay, it counts. Yeah. But uh, the last one that I played and the last time that I felt like it was relevant enough that I think I knew people who had also played it was like four? Like Dynasty Warriors 4? That's a long time ago. Yeah, it was on the PlayStation 2. Yes. I've never played Dynasty Warriors. Nor the, did I... Was I ever actively aware that people I knew were playing it. (laughs) (laughs) Because they were all playing it generally alone in their homes. Because Dynasty Warriors, in my at least mechanically in my eyes, has always been literally like a PS2 era bit to fill time. 
like to replace human loneliness with human repetition. <laughs> I, I, it is a mechanic set that is just buried real deep in like early PS2 levels of technology and interaction in my mind. Yeah, what's funny to me is that if you reskinned a Dynasty Warriors game and called it Grass Cutting Simulator, I feel like it would it would work exactly the same way. That would be hilarious. Yeah, like you were just a guy with like a big with a scythe. And you just did a spin move and cut a bunch of yeah. grass. Mm-hmm. I feel kind of similarly. Uh, they've always seemed super uninteresting to me, but <laughs> the reskinning of them as Nintendo games has made me kind of feel like, oh, <laughs> I'm not like, oh, I might play that. <laughs> perfect for the Switch. No, yeah, yeah, perfect for the Switch. Mm-hmm. But no, I think they were really smart releasing it so early in the Switch's life because I feel like way more people are going to buy it just because there isn't as much on the console. Right. Oh, yeah. You mentioned snipper clips in the first half, and I never got the chance to joke about how 2017 was in part the story of snipper clips' incredible luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's really, it's a fun game. It is but a good like, game. Yeah. For sure would have sold one one thousandth of the number of copies had it come out at any other time. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, good move on their part to to milk the Dynasty Warriors trough or whatever. Uh, it seems instead of making mainline Fire Emblem games uh, horrible and insulting to me by trying to appeal to weird, weird, creepy styles, I'm just gonna get the thing that I always wanted all of my life. And not that I did like it. I, not to build up this Echoes game, it's like this fantastic thing. It's not the best Fire Emblem game that's ever existed, but it's like awakening levels of polish and quality, especially from, from a music side uh, in a remake of an old title that I'd never experienced before. So it's still, it's all new to me, so to speak. Uh, and it's made me go back and reevaluate a little bit uh, the feelings that I had toward that shift because as you guys both know, that is all that I think about every day of my life. <laughs> to the point where, like, if I hear somebody say, like, this game is kind of like a Fire Emblem game, I'm like, I should really, like, let JJ know. Because I, I don't know if this is going to be his last chance. <laughs> Telepath tactics, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've... Uh, <laughs> I'm just so overwhelmed with emotion right now. <laughs> the prospect of uh, the thing that I love not uh, dying into the into the horrorist commodification of the market, of mm-hmm. course, it's to pile on more anti-economic principles into this episode. Uh, but it's going to be great to not have uh, a piece of my soul filled with negativity anymore. Yeah. Uh, and I can safely I- ignore other qualities and it's i promise i won't ever make you guys have to play a fire emblem game now in order for me to relive that experience for the podcast because you know if things went badly i might have to get my fix by forcing you guys along for the ride (laughs) and now it never needs to happen so in a way you know 2017 was very good for you guys too but just in a future leaning sort of way (laughs) yeah yeah so what do you think of wait hold on yeah I mean, don't hold on. Please keep going. The question I was going to ask was, you mentioned wanting to bring up uh, a game, but now I can't remember if it was Fire Emblem Fates or if it was Fire Emblem Heroes. Oh, no, it definitely wasn't Heroes. I'm not particularly interested in Heroes for the ways that we already described. It's because I think the Dynasty Warriors style of video game interaction is... Heroes is the mobile game. Oh, oh, yeah. I keep confusing (laughs) this. 
<laughs> Mostly because heroes and fucking adventurers and warriors, they're all the, the same yeah. fucking thing. People always make fun of, like, the I, idea of, like, oh, like... Oh, a new Friday the 13th movie, this is like Friday the 13th 37, like the idea of like having these numbered sequels and everything being sequelized. Mm-hmm. Having a number is actually super helpful. Extremely. <laughs> yep. Fire Emblem is a great example of this, because it's like Fire Emblem was the seventh one, and there's like Rising Sun, or I don't know which one that <laughs> even would be. <laughs> that would, I mean... The seventh one was only called... Just Fire Emblem. Because it was the first here. one in, yeah, yeah. In, yeah. in North America. Blazing Sword. Is, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's probably what I was thinking of. But it, In it, the Blazing Sword of Fire. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, but, and I don't particularly want to talk about Heroes, the mobile game, either. I feel like my entire opinion of it, because I played it for one day, is yeah. captured in our hilarious car driving episode. In the only part of it that has, like, good sound quality. Because mm-hmm, we're not moving in a car. we parked. Is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's just a slot machine for anime people, and right. you don't ever play it. <laughs> what uh, it, what it. What's your hot take on the fact that in the uh, like Reddit recap 2017, Fire Emblem Heroes was like the fourth fastest growing subreddit of the year? Mm. Mm. Uh, well, uh, I for the reasons I already described... It means I get to not pay attention to that trend, and all that money just get will get partially redirected to things that I love. Fair so enough. you know, g- grow on, keep on growing. Speaking of uh, slot machines for anime people, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Two came out. Ooh, it's <laughs> a little slot machine because you intentionally build your favorite anime people. Eh, not really. It's more like a slot machine. <laughs> 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 Interesting. Uh, Am I, I uh, assume there are women who become immediately commodified in this yeah, video game. Yeah, there are. Because yeah. I'm and a big aliens fan, and also <laughs> yes, men, but mostly women. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big fan of the original Xenoblade Chronicles, and I think Xenoblade Chronicles X is really good, but not quite the same level. But mm-hmm. um, so I was excited for Xenoblade Two, and it is mostly pretty great. You know, from like a design standpoint and the mechanic standpoint and everything but the storytelling and the writing aren't as good um and also uh the art style is an anime art style which i think is actually executed pretty well like it the art direction is really good but they as a result of the art style lean into anime tropes like pretty hard Mm -hmm. yeah which is not something that was in the rest of the series and one way it has affected this is that you now have blades that you um, use in combat, which are basically what give you your weapons and your powers and abilities and everything. And most of them are like big-titted <laughs> uh, anime women who are like... Oh, fantastic. Like, yeah. just objectified. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, in the most literal literal like even in, like, in yep. the story, like... Like, the uh, Pyra is, like, the main... Like, she's the MacGuffin, really. Yeah, like because she begins the whole... Yes. Like, the whole game is the first blade that you have as a character. Yes. That is, and like, a lead pipe. In the, She's super central to the plot. You know, she is the MacGuffin. And, like, her appearance is just, like, pointed out by characters and dialogue. And, like, you know, it's, like, it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, her boobs are bigger than her head. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, in a crop top thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, she's got these tiny, the tiniest of shorts that kind of just look like she has, like, a towel wrapped around her. Uh, and it's, like, a thong hiked up out of her shorts, like... 
and no to a review, hilarious degree. No review talks about this. I yeah. looked this. I looked for it after because I was obviously when you expressed interest in the series, and I especially in the first one, I had like a passing interest as well. I'm a JRPG guy, and I, I felt like I was in some kind of bizarro <laughs> no, world. Too much J, not <laughs> enough RPG. <laughs> indeed, indeed. That oh my god, why didn't I think of that as the thesis statement for my comparison between Fates and every other Fire Emblem game? It's perfect, but. <laughs> Like, no one, it, it's just it's just this weird accepted thing within the context of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it, it's especially jarring because the other games weren't like that. Yeah. yeah. And, like, there were, like, some, like, they kind of had their cake and ate it, too, where, like, there were, like, some sexy outfits you could put on the female characters, but it was all completely optional. Right. And, you know, not in the spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you can finally sympathize to me. Is there like, do they implement like a petting mini game where you like have to make them love you by like touching them on a touch screen? No, on their, their face. For at no least reason? not that I know of. Oh, you don't dig any deeper into that. That is one bare leg up on uh, Fire Emblem Heroes. Uh, Were there weird incest overtones to like every interaction two characters had at any point? No, no incest, but there Good. were weird sexual overtones. Good, plenty. Right. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> my, see, my thing was, because obviously I didn't play Xenoblade. I'd say obviously. Uh, I would strongly recommend the original. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the other two, you know, you see after you've played the first one. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope that this isn't, like, considered a spoiler by people, mm-hmm. but, like, my biggest issue with Xenoblade 2 from a guy on a couch watching it. Oh, I'm sure it seems way worse from... Oh, yeah, I'm sure the fact that I, I don't, I'm not, like, participating in the strategy is probably not... is detrimental. Yeah. The game looks so good and has such good design most of the time, mm-hmm. but then, like, you fight the final boss from, like, a platform really far <laughs> oh, away from it. And it bothers me to like an a, a like a crazy extent. Yeah, yeah, super. Like, guess what the final boss of the game is? God. It's like super. Okay, it's, no, it's, super it's actually God. not. No, God's uh, actually your pal in this game. Oh, neat. Uh, it's not. Just think of like super anime trope. What would it be? Uh, Frieza. No, not Frieza. I, I see where you're going with this. Uh, and I feel bro- like I'm your brother. Giant Gundam. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh, okay. <laughs> so, you, yeah, you're fighting it from a platform, and it's kind of like floating in space, and you whack it. <laughs> it looks so good! <laughs> but then, like, you're just attacking basically a railing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's seemingly like there's no reason for it either. Right. Like, it could just be on the ground with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> Strange. I mean, I would, in that game, looking, again, as the outside observer, the thing that always strikes me when you were playing it, Andy, was how beautiful the game was in terms of its vistas. Mm-hmm. Like, when you that's when you like look their, away. Yeah, that's their bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, of course, I would want my final boss to be a vista of a boss, but it doesn't sound like it quite hit that either. Because it's not that Not this big, one, no. Right? It's funny because, like, it is, sort of, because, like, the boss itself is, like, floating out there, and it's, like, this big, majestic Gundam, Mm -hmm. and then beyond that, you can see, like, the horizon of a planet against the (laughs) blackness of space. Cool. But, like, it's like you're on an observation platform. (laughs) (laughs) You're on the launch deck. God. Uh, The first game had a better final boss. I won't spoil it. Thank you. (laughs) 
I'll get I'll get there one day. I promise. I promise. I promise. Uh, until then, I'll sit in my yeah, yeah. little nest, happy that there's a little bit less J in my JRPG and a little bit more E for everyone and for European because those oh, are the yeah. two things that I really notice. E for everyone. E for European. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's what when you compare the art styles between like Echoes and like a lot of the like Awakening Fate Shift. The thing that they did intentionally was they put this like filter over the visual style that made it a little bit grainier in the same way it has like a storybook feel mm. which i really like and everyone's just like wearing the same armor that everyone wears in fire emblem <laughs> games again it's very comfortable for me uh and more importantly it's not strange or different right. uh and there is not a whole lot of gratuity in anything that's going on you pal around with just like three people that are just like your friends and they're not really tropish they're just they just act like goofy friends and mm. it's entertaining and hilarious. Uh, and it's just a video game. It's very nice. Uh, on this, I can't really give a holistic opinion on this uh, because I have played it for two days. But uh, on the complete opposite end of the scale of anime tropes being used really well and to fantastic success, I'm like three hours into Nier Automata because I got a GameStop. Mm gift card as part of the Christmas haul. I'm probably off to a bad start considering we used it as a uh, comparison point to the inappropriate way to use sexuality in our Bayonetta episode. I oh, mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How it basically tutorializes you to like look up her skirt while yeah. she's climbing mm-hmm. ladders. I was, sorry. <laughs> Fair. I wasn't using it from like, like gender representation point of view. I was using it from the point of view as final bosses that are large robots. Mm. Mm. Uh, the first boss yes. is a large robot in your automata. It uses... Uh, mechanical. It uses anime tropes mechanically in interesting ways. Yeah, yeah. I also generally like its sense of style so far. But again, everything right now yeah, that's is very on my tentative. List of things to play. It yeah. is a fun game. I couldn't shake the fact that I felt like the whole first, like the tutorial level of that game, took place on the tanker from Metal Gear Solid Two. <laughs> it is, yeah, kind of weirdly <laughs> like a Metal Gear setting. Yeah, uh, but otherwise, uh, yeah, especially like with the big meat grinders come down that's a fun time Mm -hmm. uh so uh i had a game that i wanted to uh sort of talk about that was released in 2017 that i played uh and i think that you guys might be able to chime in on some games but if you need time to think of one i can go first please chad please (laughs) give us your video game uh, I want your video game all over me. Yeah. So in lieu of doing a like top best great games, cool games, uh, I'm gonna choose to talk about this game. Uh, that sucks. <laughs> that is, well, <laughs> worst <laughs> games of 2017. It's a really flawed game in a lot of ways, um, but it was enjoyable. It was simple in what it was going for, and uh, really affecting. Um, but by by no means would I consider it like one of the best games that was released this year. Yeah. Um, but I played a game called Masochisma, uh, which is a sort of point and click uh, graphic adventure game with like mm, the one of the most unsettling art styles I've ever seen. Um, it's <laughs> like this g- grotesque. Uh, it's supposed to be like kind of childhood storybook illustrations but everything is just off enough mm-hmm. that like nothing looks supernatural 
it, it instead looks supernatural. <laughs> uh, so it's like the mind of a future murderer kind of thing? It's exactly that, because the, uh, the game itself is about uh, the childhood and upbringing of uh, a serial killer in the United States. And it is based on a true story um, that I, I guess I don't want to say. The game never explicitly tells you, but if you're the kind of metagaming person, you can, like, figure it out. It has, like, ciphers and clues that if you want to get into it, you can. Oh, boy. Uh, so I won't spoil the, who it, it's about, but it's not particularly important. But uh, the, 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 the game itself is, like, probably one of the most, like, gross and disturbing games that I've ever played. Um, and the only game that I can think of that made me feel, like, physically unclean while playing. Uh, Huge which, selling point, of course, for all games that Chad Brotherman loves. <laughs> it's feeling super... physically unclean. <laughs> this is what I wanted to bring it up, because, like, very like, not a lot of people have the same sensibilities that I do. True. Uh, but when you, like, if you enjoy the kind of movies that I enjoy and, like, the kind of experiences that I do... Uh, you'll probably enjoy, like, this gross, weird... It's like a two-hour game. It leaves messages on your desktop while you're playing it. Like, Ooh, it's, it's, I love that kind of meta yeah. stuff. Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's great, uh, and it's like a fucking dollar. Uh, so, masochisma. I like that you're wearing a muck t-shirt while making that <laughs> recommendation. <laughs> it makes you feel like straight muck. Yeah, yeah. it makes you feel like, like muck. Uh, in seriousness, though, it does make you feel gross, and that recommendation only goes for people who can stomach it. There's like a an act like a graphic scene of child murder in this game. Don't do not take that lightly. <laughs> it's not pleasant. Fair. Okay. Uh, so a game I played this year was uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Probably and conspicuously absent from both of us talking. <laughs> I've uh, I got that gifted to me as well during oh, you have my it? sister. I'm five hours mm. in or so. How do you feel about it? I feel like I've played better versions of this game before. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a game that like people have made like kind of a to do about. Yeah, um, get like talked about for game of the year and whatever. Uh, it's actually won in all, some cases. Yeah, all yeah. kinds of awards and whatever, and. Man, is it, like, does it look pretty, and it's super polished, and, uh, so it has some, like, some of the best character animation I think I've ever seen. Absolutely. Yeah. It has a a world design and direction that is unquestionably unique, Mm -hmm. and is the reason that we paid attention to it in the first place, because you just screech, like, the second that I showed up at E3. Yeah, I was like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) A robot dinosaur hunting Mm. game. And you sent it to me because you were like, "Oh, just of like a red-haired natural woman in like a weird environment fighting robots with a bow and arrow." JJ yes. will like that. You pushed it forward. Yes, and I paid attention to it. But the thing about it is that I think they leaned way too heavily into the combat system, and like that's basically like because it's an open-world game, and it does have like some cities and some NPCs and some side quests, but it all feels super bare bones to mm-hmm. me. And like the meat and, and potatoes of the game is just supposed to be fighting the robots. And I don't think there's enough of them, like different types. I don't think there's enough variety for it to like sustain like a 60 hour game on like just is. the combat. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. This feel, it feels to me like, and I've, I'm just to the point where I'm, 
out of the primary village and I'm really starting to dig into the open world stuff where you mm -hmm. find, a, you know, your billion, your billion side quest moment when yeah. you're playing through any open world game because most of your stereotypes about open world games fit this game as well. And this feels to me like the best game that Ubisoft could ever produce. Uh, but that game is still uh, like one to two notches below Breath of the Wild. And that mm -hmm. just feels like something... It feels like the best version of something I've already seen in the past and makes it super unfortunate that it exists in the, in the same year yeah. as Breath of the Wild. <laughs> but, I mean, I did finish it and did enjoy my time with it, though. I just... Mm -hmm. it, it seems like a game that's quality is being, like, overrated. But I feel like kind of bad lobbying that criticism against it. Yeah, because I feel like if we, <laughs> if we had been given this game, like, two years ago, oh, it would have yeah, been way blown easier. My mind. Yeah. 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 I think... Uh, <laughs> Like now, I've played the least a bit of uh, of any of you. I've played it for about I want to say three or four minutes. Uh, <laughs> so I can't make any sort of claims about the mechanical like feel of the game itself. Uh, but yeah, it does appear to be kind of a technical achievement. Like it looks so good, um, and just generally you're able to do a lot of things. But it does it it it, it really grabs you with the whole like crafting thing right off the bat which is kind of what drove me away from it mm. is the fact that like you're always just like picking up resources off well the i mean that's kind of just how i play yeah Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, it's okay i mean i do the same thing everyone when you put a ui element on the screen like that is going to be tempted yeah people don't generally ignore stuff like that and it was actually the ui that almost drove me away from the game uh, like literally until i found a way to make it dynamic in the options which does exist and improve my experience dramatically uh it's because the, once, even really early into the game and through the tutorial sections, it, I just felt like I was being assaulted in the same way <laughs> that you're kind of like metaphorically assaulted when you look at the map screen of Assassin's Creed 2. And just see like a million icons everywhere. Yeah, it's like that, but inescapable. It's like that, but the map is coming for you. <laughs> and uh, and if, I, like, if, I couldn't have, if, if I couldn't have made a dynamic, I would have stopped playing the game like an hour into it just because I felt like... I was just constantly being inundated with things that didn't matter and weren't producing like meaningful gameplay experiences to me. And that makes me so sad considering how much I love the setting because I really wish that this game had been pared down from like a triple A game to like a double B game. Because uh, so, I would have, I would have rather, a. yeah, I would have rather have them like really not tried to make this try and compete in that space and just leaned into the cool unique elements of the setting like how yeah. you can take control of creatures i feel exactly the same way yeah but uh side note nerdy animation thing i think aloy's walk cycle might be like my like the best walk cycle of any character in any game Ooh. that i've ever seen like it they like nail like nail like a female walk like she has like because like you you're like you run into a town or whatever and then like you have to walk around and like it has like just the perfect amount of hip sway that like a female walk has like <laughs> they they like they nailed it and it it feels so natural it's like crazy yeah it's not and like I also like totally she, stiff or like yeah. way over exaggerated right yeah it's yeah, not like a sexy point. walk yeah it's like an actual like natural female walk it's like a human walk it's like a human walk <laughs> I also like how she like stumbles over and kind of uses her hands when she runs up a hill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Gonna get, like, Dan Jones on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> you mean Doug Jones? No, who's Doug Jones? Oh. 
Man, this is this is really revealing my tastes of things. I don't know who that first guy is. Yes, you do. Do I? Extra credits. Oh, it's that Dan Jones. Well, there's like five Dans in extra credits alone. Yeah, he's so. the one who is an animator. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug Jones is a uh, an actor who frequently works uh, in prosthetics because he's also like a contortionist. <laughs> so he frequently will run around on hands and knees in an unsettling, disgusting way. Man, you really... That was a journey. Yeah, it sure was. <laughs> watch, watch Doug Jones movies. That's my recommendation. Mm-hmm. He plays Abe Sapien in the Hellboy movies. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Does he, like, do that? Yeah, he just does that. Mm. It's weird. Okay. (laughs) But don't don't watch that. Watch beautiful, wholesome animations in Horizon Zero Dawn. (laughs) Uh. You know what came out in 2017 that I totally forgot came out in 2017? Yes. Kingdom Hearts 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue. Oh, no. Oh, no. Goodbye, Chad. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a long time. It has been a long time. It's been... Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Abandoned joke. Yeah, get out that Boston reference right now. (laughs) How do you feel? Um, I feel unsatisfied. I do, too. Uh, Now, it feels like you can tell... They had material for, like, a whole game, and they had to pare it down to, like, a five-hour experience. Yes. And it, I mean, it just, like, it suffers for it. It suffers in terms of its pacing. I am not down on its mechanics. Uh, in what way? I, I can t- I'm not super hot on it either. But... I agree. It's it's starting to age in the same, not as okay, badly. Okay, you mean it in that way. That's the, that's the way it. I think it hasn't held up. Right. In King the same way that, like, combat. not if you take, like, one step after Dynasty Warriors, you, you enter <laughs> Kingdom Hearts combat. Yes. Uh, Early and, action combat. Right. Where you have lots of freedom of motion and lots of AoEs and everything's, like, a little bit floaty. Uh, and it's it made up for that in a lot of the ways that lots of anime things try and make up for that, which is spectacle creep. Oh, yeah. And the things that you do this there. This has that out the ass. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think are interesting. Weirdly, the thing that they showed off the most, the, like, giant technical achievement of the swarm of Heartless, mm. was not the thing that I thought was interesting. I thought the world design was the most interesting when you're, like, yeah. moving through broken spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I was glad to see that. There were, like, puzzly elements. Yes. Like, stuff that would have been in the first game. I got, brought back. I got stuck going through uh, 2.8, actually. Uh, it was during the... the uh, oh, the mirrors? I don't know. I, I don't. I forget if they were literally mirrors, but like the endless room. Where oh, with the, the reflected floor. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got stuck there for a long period of time, and it was the first time in a while I felt like I was being intellectually challenged by a game like that. <laughs> um, and it, it was, of course, uh, beautiful, uh, as, in, as they are most of the time. Uh, but... Yeah, I'm not, like, it lowered my expectations, but not below a line where I'm not excited for it anymore. I'm still mm-hmm. excited for what's coming, and I think that I will enjoy it uh, on a technical level. But it wasn't it wasn't transcendent, and that's why you had to remind me that this happened yeah. in 2017. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it was, like, January 1st or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> literally a year ago. Yeah. Um, but no, I feel basically the same. It's, oh, I, mm. I'm just so, I'm so... And also, I feel like 
once Mickey showed up, the pacing was super rushed, and then Extreme. the story felt really shoehorned at the end. Yeah. For so, people like me, which I have to assume is not just me, mm-hmm. what is new in 2.8? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I don't even know if I could explain what 2.8 is to somebody who is not kept up with the series. At the at the end of <laughs> at the end of Birth by Sleep, the Wait, PS Are you asking like mechanically or story? Just like Please. what is the new content? Like was it not a re-release of other games? No, like, it's new. It's straight new. It's all new stuff. And it's generally well, a demo of the kind of mechanics we're going to see in 3. It's okay. 0.2 a fragmentary passage was like a new like 5 hour like game. gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, 2.8 is the collection that it came on, which also had the remake of um, Dream Dark Distance, Distance, which was the 3DS one. And that weird, horrible story thing. And then they had that movie. Yeah. Uh, A.K.A. that weird, horrible Horrible story story thing. thing. (laughs) Which I actually kind of (laughs) liked. Aesthetically. We already had this conversation. But But anyway. But yeah. uh, The reason what he's talking about with the compression is because uh, at the end of that PSP prequel game that we both really like... Uh, they teased the existence of a sequel, Birth by Sleep 2, that will never exist. Right. And is now and, this thing. Yeah. Okay. And you can tell that they had a full, like I said, a full game's worth of content that they cut down to five hours. Yeah. Instead allowing it to act as the so, yeah, like, pseudo-demo for yeah. three. It's just kind of like a disappointing cock tease the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but even the most disappointing of cock teases is still... It's still a cock tease. Yeah, it's so. still happy. Yeah. yeah. There's You're still, still a cock there. <laughs> Let's not end this uh, podcast all half-cocked. Uh, all right. Is there any other content you would like to squeeze in uh, here? <laughs> hmm. Uh, I'm sad I didn't play more games in 2017, which is part of the reason that I'm trying to like slam out like Nier Automata. Um, in, <laughs> it's already 2018. You're too late. <laughs> he, he'll play it so fast that he'll go back in time. <laughs> yeah, elite gamer skills, of course. Yeah. Uh, God. Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. Uh, what are we doing next time? <laughs> next time we're going to be talking about Mayor's Edge, uh, as forewarned on the previous episode. Um, so sorry about this delay, mm-hmm. and also sorry about us not having like a format, which obviously <laughs> makes us do the just say stupid shit for an hour and a half. Um, so I hope you enjoyed it, uh, that stupid shit. And uh, until next time, if you want to get a hold of us, you can do so. Noclippodcast at gmail.com. You can find all of our other conf- conferences. All, all, our, other, all of our other confirmation. <laughs> I sure fucked that one up. Dude, you can find all of the rest of our contact information on our website at splattershot.pro <laughs> or noclippodcast.com. Oh, man. Can that count as my favorite episode? The fact that you registered us to splattershot.pro? <laughs> That's my favorite thing I did in 2017. Good. Uh, all of our past episodes are on there. Uh, if I decide I'm going to start putting cards on YouTube videos, I'll like throw some up. And be like, look, this came out in 2017. So did this one. Also, maybe this third one, which is probably from a game from 2005, knowing us. <laughs> Chad, what are cards? Uh, you know, like at the end of a YouTube video, people put up those oh, links like to other card. videos. Oh, yeah, sweet. Yeah. I'll put those up just so I can make that joke. Good. Also, what about this episode? What about it? Oh, it's a good one. We should start doing an end card. 
Yeah, I think we will. Why not? Yeah. Anyway, thanks. Goodbye. Thanks. Let's go put some coins in that slot machine for anime people. <laughs> <laughs>